This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, 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 business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Today we want to talk about video once again. I know we had some episodes uh, somewhat recently. They all kind of go, I, I don't know how recent, honestly, but we talked about what kind of video content should we produce? How do we produce it? I'm a big fan of video, especially now that my internet is working relatively well most of the time. That was probably my biggest concern when it came to any video, when my internet was basically dial-up. I know, right? What year are we in? So you do need good uh, good connectivity. So today, we want to talk about what kind of video marketing strategies work. How do we move them forward? How do we integrate them with everything we do? And today's guest, Emmy Wu, she creates video marketing strategies to help companies tab into audiences and then, of course, monetize those audiences as well. Emmy, welcome to the show. Hey, Christoph. So good to be here. <laughs> Excited we for do, this. We do fist bump on the show now. Thanks to COVID. No more handshakes, no more hugs. Ha ha. Of course, COVID ah. is nothing to laugh at. But um, anyways, welcome to the show. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, why video? What do you do? And then let's dive in. What video strategies work and, and why should we consider them? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like ever since I was a little girl, I have been infatuated with the stories that we can tell and the emotions that we can evoke through the moving picture. Um, so I've always known that I wanted to work in that field and uh, eventually studied anthropology and film in school um, and ended up working in the film industry. I was a young kid just graduating, wanting to bust into the market. So I sent my resume to every single producer on the BC Film Commission list, uh, ended up on the right producer's desk at that time. He needed an errand run. So I volunteered with him and it just kind of grew from there. So from there, I have worked in the film industry for almost two decades uh, with brands like MGM, Paramount, Subaru, Taco Bell, uh, even coordinated a few episodes or seasons of Real Housewives of Vancouver. And then in around 2015, I met my soon-to-be husband and uh, knew that I would be moving to the U.S. So I thought to myself, well, I guess I could try and find some kind of media job or I can try my hand in taking what I've learned around video, around storytelling throughout my film career and translate that into an online marketing presence. And so that's what I've been doing in my business. Very interesting. And congratulations for, for launching that and, and still going after it. And of course, you know, when you mention some of these names and shows, I mean, they're you know, big names, they're on TV, right? And and the example I keep giving is back in the day, I'm a big sports fan, but back in the day, they were maybe, I don't know, seven sports announcers, right? Maybe like 
because there's only three channels, only one show, sports that I actually want to watch, whatever it might be. And now we got hundreds of announcers, right? I mean, hundreds. And some of them are horrible. They should, I should be calling the game, honestly, as opposed to them. And I don't, I'm not good at that either. So we have the same in video a little bit, right? Everybody can produce video. Everybody can do a live stream. Everybody can do anything, whether they do it well or not. How do you, how do companies make sure their their video strategies are of good quality and are worth consuming and are worth um, even putting out there? Yeah, great question. Uh, and very relevant to this day and age where we have so many options in video, right? We have TikTok, we have, of course, YouTube, but now we have YouTube Shorts. We've got Facebook Live, we've got Instagram <laughs> live streams, and all these different options that can be kind of overwhelming, to be honest. You know, where do you start as a business owner? Uh, how do you even choose the best platform for you? And then how do you really thrive on that platform, making sure? that the content and the videos that you produce are relevant and actually going to engage people on that platform. So I think it's really important before we even choose a platform as a business owner to take a step back and to know that we actually don't need to be on every platform, but rather to focus on one platform and do that masterfully. So depending on your strategy, for example, if you decide to focus on YouTube as your platform of choice, then really creating content based on SEO is going to be an entirely different strategy than if you were to go on Instagram lives and engage your audience with that way. One thing that is really important to know, too, is that people, your audience, do not expect perfection. And I know that that is a huge stumbling block for a lot of business owners. You know, I don't want to get started if I'm just going to look amateur. This is, you know, I hate the way I look and sound on video. But studies have actually even shown that people are much more likely to trust and like a brand and a person who has some flaws, who seems imperfect over this kind of perfect presentation that we're often seeking and going after. So to make sure your content stands out first, like I said, make sure you're choosing just one platform and really understanding that and mastering that before trying to be on all the platforms. Um, and then really focusing on what is that medium trying to get you to do? So for example, if your focus is live stream, then for many people, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook in particular, Live streams are designed to engage with your audience live. And so you want to bring people on. You want to let people know when you're going live. So you get those live comments and engagement. Um, if you don't, then essentially you're telling the algorithm that no one's engaging with my content. It's not that good or it's not that exciting. So the algorithm will actually suppress your organic reach. Whereas if you are just starting out, perhaps, and you don't have a huge audience yet, then go for pre-recorded. You know, use leverage that uh, legacy form of content and allow that to then build your audience from there. 
What's interesting about what, what I heard you say there is it's kind of about the goal, right? What's the goal of what you're trying to do? And if I'm totally 100% honest, I don't do live streams because I'm a live streamer. I do live streams because I have a podcast and I've had the podcast for a few years. And quite frankly, it's much easier for you and I just to go live as opposed to just record it for many, many reasons, even if only a few people watch. And the reasons are, first of all, you do reach more people. And second of all, you take out the editing of the podcast when you go live because the guest expects that you're live and there's no editing, right? Because you know we're already live. And if you don't do that, sometimes guests say, oh, you can just cut that. And you know what? Yes, I can. But you don't even pause long enough for me to cut anything. So the one thing I want to circle back on is focus on one channel. So when Joe Polizzi was on the show, certainly we had a good debate about that. Because he says the same thing, and I'm not convinced. And here, let me tell you why. Because why wouldn't I go to four channels on my live stream? Why wouldn't I go to 30 channels on my podcast? Why wouldn't I use my blog content? I know we're talking about video, but um, my blog or vlog content on other channels. And that's just my opinion. But he also has proven that the one channel strategy out of the gate works. So let's say you're going to die on the hill that you need um, one channel to start. I'm going to die on the hill of no, 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 more channels is better. But let's say I'm going to agree with you for a second. So I'm not going to die on that hill. Let's say I say, okay, let's pick one channel. Emmy, how do I pick a channel? How do I know? How do I know that this is the channel that's going to get me the return? And Because if I pick more than one channel... In my opinion, what I've seen is it actually gives me a better chance to find something somewhere. So how do I um, avoid that if I only pick one channel to go? Yeah, great question. I think it's important to uh, consider, first off, just like how we were saying, what are your goals, right? If your goal is to build visibility for your business as a whole, um, maybe YouTube and SEO is actually a great method for you to use, then you'll want to kind of understand who are the people on that platform? Is my audience even there? Um, And can I leverage this medium to its maximum ability? In other words, do I understand this medium fully and can I leverage it? Can I maximize it? Um, because what I see really often is, uh, and this is a perfect example. So a brand wants to be on YouTube and Facebook at the same time, right? And so they're posting the same video on both platforms. And I personally myself have done this before. And what I've noticed is that the platform where I tend to hang out more and, you know, for my business, that's Facebook, that's generally going to have more views and more engagement anyways. Now, that's not to say that we, you know, need to then take YouTube off the plate. That can still be a great strategy to kind of reach more people and uh, I guess spread your content across more platforms. However, what Facebook is looking for in terms of pre-recorded video, let's say, is going to be different from what YouTube looks for in pre-recorded videos. So 
one strategy that we've started to adopt instead of putting the same video on both platforms, what we've done is we've put the shorter trailer and it's just like 15 to 30 seconds that captures attention on Facebook and Instagram that then drives traffic back to the main platform of YouTube. Um, And so in that way, you're kind of putting all your feelers uh, back into one main channel um, and focusing your efforts there. You know, I don't necessarily think that it's wrong or bad to, you know, use different platforms and leverage the technologies that are available for us. But just from a sustainability standpoint, I know that it would be a lot for me to put my platform on multiple different platforms, as well as really understanding, you know, what is that platform looking for? And so for that reason, and and mostly because my audience, um, a lot of them are kind of wanting to build their visibility because they're launching a product or a business or something. Um, I always say to those people in particular to really focus on building that one platform, because here's what's true. We're putting video and content out there, not just to grow the numbers and, you know, just to reach more people, but ultimately for every single platform, it's not about the numbers, but it's about engagement. So if you can focus your efforts on one platform, often that makes your ability to engage just a lot more attainable and easier just for the time expectation that's involved. Um, And so for that reason, you know, I, I encourage people to focus on one platform, but certainly, you know, if, if you have found a method that works for you, um, keep doing what works for you. So um, makes sense. And, you know, earlier you talked about flaws and certainly maybe this is one reason why I'm so successful at videos because I got plenty of flaws and, and uh, people overlook them. But how um, how important is the quality and the storytelling and all those different things? And let's talk about why. What should businesses even create for videos? Like what what makes a good video? And I, I mean, I've seen more than my fair share of uh, corporate gobbledygook that nobody wants to watch. But like, what kind of stuff should people create? Yeah. Great question. And uh, this will probably be a marathon of a show if we were to actually go into all the different types of videos. Um, But what we can do is kind of break down very simply based on your personality and your business model. So a framework that I use is based on the archetypes. And in the archetypes, I use four main archetypes. We have the lover, the sovereign, the warrior, and the magician. And these are all different types of personalities. For example, the lover is all about creativity, about self-expression, whereas the sovereign is about leadership, is about teaching, is about education. I often take my audience and my students kind of through this little self-assessment process so that they can best figure out, you know, what are my strengths? You know, how do I actually like to market? And choosing the video styles that best align with your natural way of showing up and your business model. So, for example, this type of uh, video that we're doing right now with an interview, uh, 
this is considered a warrior style video. Warriors are wonderful leaders because they are amazing at rallying people, getting people behind a cause. And this is essentially what you do, Christoph. You know, you get people excited about their business and helping them to build that roadmap to get to their destination. However, something that's interesting and unique about the warrior is that you have this innate ability to build a network and you can almost leverage that network um, in a very powerful way. So you've already tapped into doing these interview style videos for a warrior. Um, and that can be a video style that somebody else adopts as well if they are maybe not so great at just talking off you know, off the cuff as a lover might do so. So ultimately, it's about finding your style, how you best like to teach and show up and making the most of that in tandem with the platform that you choose. Interesting. And I was going to ask you, where do, how do I know what I am? And, and I thought, I, I think I might be a warrior, even though lovable warrior, whatever. But do you know what I mean? And I thought that's because what I do on the show, like, yes, I ask you leading questions. Yes, it's not it's not true investigative journalism or whatever. You know, like I used to go interview police commanders and basically I challenge them. Right. Like, why did the deputy took the Snickers bar from the inmate, which is actually a true story I covered once. We called it Snickergate. And that's not what we do on this show. But certainly I am challenging right? My guess. And that does feel a little bit like a warrior, right? Because I'm trying to get good answers. I'm trying to make people think about it. So very interesting that I guessed that correctly. Um, how how hard is it for people to figure out where they want to be? I mean, I'm thinking about, so I, so I couched warrior with lovable. And I think that, I think I do that. And well, I think I know I did that is because sometimes when people think warrior, that's too direct, too after things. It, it has a little bit of a negative connotation, you know, I, in some people's mind. So how do we figure out what, what uh, personality we should be? Yeah. So you hit the nail on the head because you are the lover. Well, I would consider you the lover and the warrior, right? You clearly have this network, this ability to connect with people, uh, educate people, rally people. Um, and that's the warrior aspect of you and your business showing up. And you also have a very, you know, like you said, I'm flawed, you know, I'm certainly not perfect. And I think that's also part of your draw and your magnetism which is very much the lover archetype. So essentially, um, I can summarize really quickly the four different archetypes. And all you have to do is see which one you resonate with the most. Um, and the truth is, because we're humans, we're going to be all four different archetypes at different times. So don't overthink this. I think it's really about just your intuition already knows. So just go with the gut pull of which one you feel most called to. So the lover is all about self-expression, right? Their creativity. So they are able to just talk off the cuff. They're able to do those impromptu shares when they feel so inspired because that messiness, that flawed aspect of them, that imperfection is actually what is magnetic about the lover archetype.
Now, on the other hand, we have the sovereign, which is all about having a clear vision. You help your audience and your clients to really get clear on what they want and help them to create, strategize, and actually implement a plan to get towards their goals. So sovereigns are natural teachers, they're natural leaders, and you might actually feel more comfortable teaching than just kind of sharing your feelings as a lover would. Um, I'm a lover sovereign. I feel very comfortable teaching something, kind of going through the facts, as opposed to just talking off the cuff sometimes. That's something I've trained myself to do. Um, so sovereigns, you know, webinars, something where you're teaching something really uh, tacti- tactical for your audience is a wonderful sovereign type video. Then we have the magician archetype, which is all about turning raw materials into value. So people who are artists, who are, you know, chefs, um, even coaches, right, who are and business coaches and business mentors and strategists who are turning their idea, their clients ideas and chaos into a plan is also a magician archetype. So what is so magnetic about the magician is actually their seemingly magical ability to turn nothing into something, right? We all feel wooed when we see, you know, some amazing blogger turn raw foods into this amazing dish, right? And that's part of their magnetism. So magicians can actually show their audience a bit of the behind the scenes. Um, It doesn't need to be super elaborate or planned out. It's just giving people a glimpse of behind the scenes and seeing a little bit of your process. Then finally, we have the warrior, like I mentioned, and it's all about standing up for your beliefs, for what you value and rallying people behind a cause. So the warrior archetype is really great at bringing people together, doing interview style videos like this um, and really being able to get people talking, communicating, sharing ideas all starting from this main idea that serves as a catapult for conversation. Very interesting. And of course, you know, even though I guessed my personality correctly, uh, make sure you talk to other people, see how they see you and, 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 and do they agree, do they disagree? And um, very, very good overview. Now let's talk about, uh, I know you have a vlog and you share um, vlogs every once in a while. So a video blog, basically, um, even though I'm not sure if people still use that term um, as much, I don't see it as often as I used to, but I also wouldn't know what other um, term to use. So let's just go with vlog for now. Um, what kind of role does vlogging play? Is that something you would recommend for companies to do? And how does that look if you do? Yeah, great question. I think vlogging is only suitable for certain brands. Um and and here's why. Vlogging has different styles, right? There is just more of the educational vlogging where it's kind of face to camera and you're teaching your audience something. Um, and then there is the more kind of behind the scenes personalized style of vlogging where the person might be carrying their camera around, you know, taking them out uh, for the day and kind of showing people behind the scenes. Depending on the kind of company you are, and almost going back to the archetypes as well, you know, does sharing behind the scenes and kind of the inside workings of your business and who you are really serve your business? 
Um, and that's not necessarily going to be the case for everyone. You know, some businesses, their audience doesn't care about what's going on behind the scenes. They just want to know about the end result. They want to know about the process. They want to know about the end product, right? Whereas other companies, and I would say more kind of personal brands, people who are the face of their brand, may lean more into the vlogging aspect. Why? Because at the end of the day, your videos are connecting with other humans, right? Behind the avatar, we have other people and people connect with people. And we love to listen to stories, know what's going on behind the scenes and just gain that little bit of insight, uh, informal insight into the people that we admire, that we follow. Um, and so vlogging can be a really powerful way to do that. In my own business, I actually vlog both styles. You know, I'll do the face to camera teaching something. And once in a while, I will take people behind the scenes. Uh, for example, I created a blog video, a vlog, I guess you can say, um, that took people on my CEO Sunday process. It's basically planning out my week ahead, how I get organized. But I showed them my entire like Sunday morning routine. And that video has probably one of the most views because I think I'm the face of the brand and people are curious, not only, you know, for the sovereign aspect, because I help people to get organized, but they want to see how I get organized. They want to see behind the scenes of how I do it. Right. So I think whichever style you choose, it depends on your brand and also what your audience is kind of used to and expecting from you. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting about the whole um, what can you even see when you go behind the scenes. So, for example, my prediction is as people will continue to work at home and I see it at conferences, they're still not back to where they used to be. Um, there's some room for virtual reality presentations. But quite frankly, if I were to do a virtual present virtual reality presentation in my studio here, like nobody would care about the other stuff that's in here. Do you know what I mean? It's not like the behind the scenes vlog wouldn't work because it's kind of boring. Like it's just a studio. Uh, maybe some people would care about that, but I don't, I don't think so. Um, in the last 40 seconds or 30 seconds here, Emmy, tell us how do people connect with you? How do they work with you? They can certainly check out emmywoo.com, uh, but how do they work with you? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so we have kind of two extensions to our company where we teach and help our clients with video marketing strategies and growing their business. Uh, and we also have an agency where it's done for you services where we create client videos and produce them. So you can find me at emmywoo.com. Um, and I'm also across all social media platforms at emmywoo media. Emmy Wu Media, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you sharing your insights. Thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.